coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. Yeah, I'm Matt. I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome, everyone, to a very special 69th episode of Buzzed On Movies. Now, very nice. We've, re- we've reviewed many different kinds of films over the years here on Buzzed oh On Movies. God. We've reviewed sci-fi. We're going to preface it. We're going to do it. Sci-fi, do it. horror, comedy, found footage, everything you can imagine. And tonight, for the first time in Buzzed On Movies history, we will be reviewing Hardcore pornography. Oh, it's, uh, it's so funny to call this hardcore. Um, it is. It is technically hardcore pornography. It is uh, technically because I, <laughs> yeah, I, because of what you see. That is hardcore. Um, yes. Right, so right. I also love that you called found foot. Like you were like, we've reviewed every type of movie, sci-fi, <laughs> horror, found footage. Found, like, found footage, footage is, is a genre is, now. It's own. <laughs> it's own thing going on. Um. Um, so you know, we we sort of hinted at this earlier because Letterbox has added adult films. For the first time, we wanted to to try watching one of these and and seeing what the viewing experience is like, so we can mainly so we can log it on Letterboxd. Um, we'd, but, we'd never watched an adult hardcore porn film. Before. Never, we never. Were, we're good boys. We don't yeah. <laughs> we don't do that kind of stuff. Um, but yes, just so everyone is aware, we will be at the end of this episode discussing an adult film. So if you're not interested in hearing about that. Feel free to tune out. We'll let you know when it's coming. Yeah. And I suspect uh, that any of our long-term listeners don't care if it's. Well, but, uh, I can think of a few who might not want to hear this. Yeah, but, no, I get that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Me too. Um, anyway, so before we get to that, though, we're going to be talking about a couple of movies that we've seen in theaters recently, as always. Um, starting with Venom: Let There Be Carnage. That's that's the venom signal. That's that's the venom sound. Um, Listen, I don't care what anyone says. I enjoyed Venom. Let there be carnage. Um, I had a lot of fun. This this was a great movie. I was I laughed a lot. I was just like in my seat, like yeah, let's do it. Let's go, Venom. Um, Having a great time. I don't know what was going on half the time. The plot was like, <laughs> it was like beyond me. Um, I was like, I don't really like, what's the purpose of any of this? But like by the end, there was like a wedding scene set to the lacrimo sequence. Like I was like, all right, I'm here. <laughs> We're all doing it. Like, let's just keep going. The plot um, was definitely set up in such a way that like, you really did not have to follow it so much. <laughs> you no. just kind of had to get there to the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I can't say it was necessarily as, um, as groundbreaking or, uh, like, um, fully fleshed out as the, the first Venom movie, but this one was just like, Hey, you like Venom? Here's more of that stuff. It's, it's just like, it does what it's supposed to do pretty well. And that's just like doing crazy, um, synthetic alien stuff (laughs) yes 
Like, I guess, like, to me, I thought what was so interesting about this, I mean, I felt like it was, like, very much more explicitly about, like, Eddie Brock and Venom, um, which I guess yeah. is, like, the whole point. Um, and that that was just, like, nice. Um, you know, the Michelle Williams character, it was, like, sort of more of a sidebar, um, which was kind of nice, because the last one, it was sort of like Eddie Brock was, like, is he going to go be... It is Michelle Williams, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that's great. I always... So sidebar i always like get michelle williams and carrie mulligan sort of mixed up so, <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah i, I yeah. get that <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay so it's michelle williams and so um i you know in the first movie it's like very much a like will he end up with her story right. and yeah. this one it is very much not that there's never a moment where you think they're going to get back together like it's like even, like, when it's, like, sort of, like, implied that they have feelings for one another at any moment, it's, like, it's never, like, oh, they're gonna, like, you know, be in love again and do their thing. Like, you know, and so, like, I just thought that was kind of nice. Like, it's 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 not really about that. It's not, like, is right. he gonna go pursue this other woman? It's, like, it's about him dealing with his thing with this symbiote that he now has to live with, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was just, like, a nice... I think a lot of other movies would have still made it about her is you know that's what other movies would have done and this movie did not do that and i like that right yeah it, it was kind of nice to see a movie like this you know like a an action superhero movie that had as like a part of it like moving on from a relationship that didn't work right. out and like that's that's kind of unusual for this kind of film and right. i i feel like it fit well in with like the themes that they were trying to explore a big part of the movie is also like venom and eddie trying to figure out if they can live together if they're right for one another and we we figure out that like you know even though they don't get along all the time that they they work out in the end and yes. ultimately they need each other to get um get stuff done basically right yeah yeah i don't know i i just thought um it was just like a nice refreshing approach to this sort of movie um it was also nice that, like, you know, like, it didn't, I don't know, like, the movie, like, sort of vilified Michelle Williams' partner, who is um, Dan from Veep. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, um, but it didn't, like, by the end, you were sort, sort of supposed to like him. Like, you know, it didn't, right. I don't know, like, there was, no, like, it was just, like, a different type of superhero movie. Like, there were a lot of things that were, like, set up to make you think certain things were going to happen. Like, you thought... Maybe Eddie and, and Michelle Williams' character, who, God, I should know her name. But, uh, you know, you thought maybe they'd get back together. Or you thought you would just, like, hate the Dan Egan character. Um, I, and, again, I think his <laughs> name in the movie is Dan. Like, I, his name. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I think his name is Dan. But that's his name in Veep, too. And I'm starting to wonder if that's just, like, the actor's name. He's um, just Dan. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you're, you know, you assume you're going to grow to hate him. You assume that she's going to get back with Eddie Brock and, like, all of this stuff. But, like, none of that happens. And it's just, like, kind of nice. The movie sets you up to think that stuff could happen and then it doesn't. Um, it doesn't even really set you up to think it could. It's just that you sort of have those expectations because you've seen these movies before. Um, yeah. The movie doesn't make you think that. It's just I went in thinking, oh, yeah, of course, that's what's going to happen because I've seen a million superhero movies and sequels and this is what goes on. And that's not what goes on. And it's nice. And it's just, like, fun. Like, she's, like, she gets to do her own thing. She has her moment where she becomes Venom. Like, 
It's like, it's great. It's fine. I did like, like the Lady Venom moment. That was yeah. <laughs> top notch. <laughs> I mean, it's a symbiote. He can jump wherever <laughs> he wants to. And like, and she, and like, she doesn't like, she gets to be Venom and then he leaves her and goes back to Eddie. And she's like, Oh, that was fun. Maybe I'll do that again. And it's like, yeah, this is what I want. I want these people to be like having a good time. I want the, the cast to be enjoying themselves. I don't know. So it was just like, it was like a fun movie. It was like stupid and, and weird and, um, you know, whatever. And you have this like romance between Carnage and uh, what's her name? But like, who cares about that? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I did think that like his whole plot line was, was pretty interesting that, um, you know, Carnage or, or Cletus Cassidy, um, Woody Cletus Harrelson's Cassidy. character. You gotta, you gotta get it right. Yeah, his whole um, storyline was interesting. Like he seen like, and, and I think a lot of it is due to Woody Harrelson, like really nailing this performance. But like it, could, it could have been like really silly and over the top. And it kind of like at times it was silly and over the top, but like just the right amount. Um, it's worth noting that this movie <laughs> starts on a on a spooky looking shot of a uh like a some sort of institution late yeah, at night and i was, I was like, like i was very much like oh malignant we're doing it's it malignant um, again. it's like it, um, this is the the spooky s- shots of an institution at night universe uh yes but um so yeah like he's you you get like the teenage version of him in this institution and like <laughs> Which is clearly like dubbed over by Woody Harrelson, which is really yes. funny. Yes. Oh my god, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> this is like exactly his voice. Um and then like he um he he and Sh- Shriek uh um, Shriek, yes, that's the, like that's the the name, yes. This thing going on where um like she was like the one who protected him from the other other boys at this thing or whatever. And, uh, but she ends up getting like trying to escape and then like taken to a, like an even more intense facility. Um, well, but then they fake killer. They yeah. fake killer. Um, they, and so like Woody Harrelson doesn't technically know that she's alive when she gets taken away. Right. Um, yeah. They, and- they shoot her. <laughs> I just like the the whole first part of the movie was very interesting that it was like this this uh like pretty human level drama there wasn't like a lot of crazy alien stuff other than you know like getting to see some of Shriek's powers in the prologue but it's all just like solving like solving this crime and like finding where the bodies are hidden and stuff and like Eddie reviving his career by like Oh, breaking open this story. And then once Cletus gets a little bit of the, the venom goo or whatever in him, the then venom goo. the venom goo, then everything just goes crazy. Um, yeah. Carnage is really a very cool villain in this. Um, I like how he can like, move his body around bullets just like let the bullets go through um that whole scene where he breaks out of prison is really cool he does a lot of crazy stuff there that's one of the better scenes of the movie i feel like that was like a lot of fun it was ridiculous it was just like him bobbing around this like prison he's a big red venom i don't know that was good that was a pretty good scene 
Yeah. And I also like how they set up like early on that there was like, there was going to be some sort of conflict here because the symbiotes are like, are hurt by really loud noises and his girlfriend shriek. It has like her superpowers that she can like scream really loud. Yeah. She's basically so. black canary. She's, you know, um, I mean, black canaries from a different universe, but um, that's basically who she is. She just screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, early, I, early on, they set up that conflict and it, it pays off um, yeah. later it on. It does. It does. I did think that was interesting. I, you know, I think that I spent most of the movie waiting for the moment that it paid off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause like there were like teasers early on where like she screams and he's like, no. Um, but you know, I think the end is obviously where it pays off most, but yeah. right. And that yeah. was also, you know, supposed to um, to draw a contrast between Eddie and Venom. Is that like um, Cletus and Carnage weren't always on the same team. They didn't always want the same thing. Um, right. And that was what enabled Eddie and Venom to get the upper hand. Yeah, that's like a big a big point, right? Is that Eddie and Venom, no matter what, like no matter their differences, and they have their fight in this movie. There's like a big whole thing. That's like the whole point of the movie. Um, but like by the end, it's like they want the same thing, um, and and they're on the same team, and they'll fight together. Whereas as Carnage and and Cletus, you know, they don't have the same goals, the same ambitions, and they don't like Cletus. This whole thing is just he wants to be with his girlfriend and go do their thing. Um, Carnage doesn't care about that. (laughs) So he just wants Carnage. Literally, just wants Carnage. Um, What when Carnage kills that priest? That was a moment. He just like just just takes the priest out. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. And and (laughs) Cletus and Shriek were like, ah, like we're upset about this. (laughs) We kind of needed him for like the whole wedding thing. Yeah, I don't think they actually got married. I'm pretty sure that didn't actually succeed. Um, <laughs> it got interrupted a little bit. Get interrupted. Yeah, that's too bad because their wedding was set to again the lacrimosa sequence, um, mm-hmm. which is just like a very funny moment that happened. Where I was like, "This is extremely gothic." We're just like doing the lacrimosa sequence as a wedding. Okay, we're yeah. doing it. I do think a little too much of that scene was given away in the trailer, just because like. It would have been crazier not to know that they were going to end on this like big fight scene in the uh, like cathedral and then like have that setting come out of nowhere. But I can see that. Yeah. I don't know if I watched the trailer really. So. Oh, I definitely saw this trailer like dozens of times. Nice. Um, I feel like I did this thing whenever I would go to like a movie where like trailers would come on and I would just look at my phone. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I usually do, too. But, yeah. you know, you, you can always pick up on what's going on because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's Venom. That's oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen that one. Seen that one. Oh, this is a new one. I got to pay attention to this one. Yeah, my attention is not that way. I, <laughs> I, you know, that's kind of nice. I wish I could look at my phone and also see what's going on on a screen at the same time. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you know, it, it, it's mostly the, the audio once I've seen the trailer enough. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can, that's you fair. can pick up on all like all the little beats and everything. Uh, that's how often Usually I go to the trailer. I'll be like, 
playing a crossword. And I'll just be like, <laughs> oh, I'm so into this crossword. What is this word? And I'll be getting mad because I don't know what something is and the letters <laughs> don't match. And I'll be like, no! Um, Curses! Um, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't really know the wedding was going to happen. It was really the long story, or the short, the short version of that story. I didn't know that was going to occur. And then it was happening. I was like, oh my God, we're here. This is so exciting. We're doing like a, a gothic wedding. Yeah. Shriek is getting married to Carnage. It's all going on. Um, we're going to have a fight in a cathedral. People are being put into coffins for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Um, but it was hype. Why not? Yeah. There's like a very scared priest here. I love how the movie never tried to explain how these people got this priest there. They're just like, he's here now. <laughs> he was just and hanging like, around. They they walked in and were like, hey, it's wedding time. Well, that cathedral was clearly not in use before that night. I mean, it was like there was scaffolding and crazy right. stuff going on. Um, it was like it was clearly under construction. Um but, you know, whatever. And so, but he's like, oh, I'm here now. I'll marry you. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to die. But have fun. Um, <laughs> it gave me Notre Dame vibes. Yes. Yeah. Notre, Do- Notre Dame 2020. Was it 2020 <laughs> when Notre Dame burned? I can't remember. Um, I feel like it's been a while, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it, it wasn't. Was. It wasn't 2021. I mean, right? It was no, no. It was yeah. It was like a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, it was during the pandemic, right? Was it? No, I, I feel like it was before that. Was it? Oh, my God. Um, you might be right. I honestly don't know. I'm, like, completely... 2019. Okay. That, time has completely... That escaped. sounds about right. Um, oh, yeah. But 2019. Yes. Anything anything in 2019 is not a real thing that I... Acknowledge, so that's, <laughs> that's from a different world. Yeah. A different timeline. I'll um, acknowledge 2018, but I won't acknowledge 2019. So... <laughs> Uh, 2019 is a fake year the one that almost feels like it's 2020 but it's not because 2020 was a different year um great explanation there um but yes the the cathedral was a very interesting setting for this fight they they got to be a lot of fun little things they did with the bells with like the different levels of the cathedral there was that really cool shot where Venom is like in front of the stained glass, um, just like shining behind him. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> like he's some sort of medieval figure. Um, that the stained glass, by the way, very heavily credited in the credits. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it was like there was like five or six different citations for the st- for stained glass in, in the credits. I was like, wow, okay, like. Clearly, they're using some recognizable pieces in here. I don't know. Like, right. Wow. Good for them. Interesting. Yeah. Not a lot of stained glass artist recognition these days. No, I, I would say that generally we ignore the stained glass artists. Um, it's a shame because stained glass is very cool. Oh, yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of credits, there's a big reveal in the credits. There's a big, big connection. Did you stay for the post-credit scene? Mid-credits, I did. I guess. Yeah, yeah, the mid-credits. Um, yeah. there's, a where big, there's a big reveal there. Um, I guess I w- wouldn't call it a reveal. It's just a sort of big tease. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's well. So um, yeah, we get to see the um, spoiler the alert. Yeah, um. spoiler alert. We get to see the broadcast of uh, Peter Parker's identity being 
unveiled, which happened in Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, so, you know, th- this is clearly taking place in the same universe. And there's no, like, I think it's, I wait, 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 wait. I about, think about, most of the, Ven- I think, I think Venom, Let There Be Carnage and Venom both take place in a different universe. And the sequence that gets us to that sequence is, Oh, right, there's a universe right. split, and he's brought back into the main universe. And I think it has to do with that spell that Dr. Strange is, you know, like, I think it's all about that. I thought, um, I thought it was like Venom showing him like an ounce of his intergalactic knowledge or whatever that triggered this, but whatever it is, there, there's some, something weird. I think happened. most of the Venom movies happen outside of the Marvel universe. Right. That's what I think. And okay. then and then by the end, Venom is in the Marvel Universe. That's what right. I think. So I don't know exactly the mechanics of how it's happening, but I think that most of the Venom movies are not in the, the typical yeah. Marvel Universe. That that's makes mainly, sense. I think that's mainly right, because Venom is not a West Coast character. If Venom finally comes to the East Coast, we'll be right. Things will be right. Yeah. <laughs> Venom should be in New York City. You've got to get him out of San Francisco. He... Yeah. He and Malignant can both come to the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> West Coast transplants. Could you imagine if Malignant came to the East Like Gabriel and Venom come to the East Coast and join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, <laughs> needs needs to happen. Okay, that would be great. Tom Holland Spider-Man takes them on. Um, We've already talked about how basically uh, Gabriel is a super villain. So Gabriel is. Gabriel this already. makes a lot of sense. I will say, um, if Venom shows up and... Spider-Man, what's it called? Spider-Man No Way Home? Spider-Man, is that what it's yeah, called? I think yeah. that's it. Um, I've seen the trailer. I should know what it's called. Um, but yeah, if Venom shows up in that, that, I would be excited. Um, that would be interesting. Be yeah. Oh, yes, I have seen that one. I think maybe it played before Venom. It probably <laughs> did. For I me, recently... it was the last movie. That, it was the last trailer that played before Venom. And I know this because Doc Ock is in it. You know the original, the Doc Ock from Spider-Man Two, starring Tobey Maguire, yes. is in the trailer. Yes, wow. that's a big, a big reveal that everyone's yeah. been excited about. Yeah. It could be pretty cool. It could be weird. I don't know. Um, I mean, it all, it all the, fits in with the, the idea of like the multiverse. Yeah. From the 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 end credits of of Venom, like you know, like right. it, it all sort of comes together with this idea that there's a multiverse here, which is a very Spider-Man concept. If you read old Spider-Man comics spider-man mm-hmm. loves to have these old these different versions of spider-man and they they love to come together and yes for all we i know we'll do, we're about to do the fucking clone saga which is going to be a nightmare if we do the clone saga in marvel um so who knows I'll t- though i'll take your word on that i i you're our resident comics expert so there's a the whole thing to... where there's like clones of spider-man and spider-man at one point thinks he's the clone but he's not Ooh, um, identity crisis. Always, yeah. always a good thing to explore. So, you know, it could happen. That could be a thing that we're hurtling towards. I don't know, but I, it seems more like multiverse is what we're heading towards. Um, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, uh, out of all the di- various Marvel things happening these days, the Spider-Man stuff is the only stuff that still really interests me above everything else. Spider-Man is just a great character. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And Spider-Man's really like the only Marvel character that I've all like for a long time had any sort of connection to. So I'm interested I love Daredevil, to see what but um, Daredevil is my my big. They Other than Spider-Man, Daredevil is my big. 
They've wow. only done like a TV series of that, right? They haven't. Um, well, there were the Ben Affleck movies. Oh yes, yeah. but that was that was in the before times. So we comic yeah. book movies weren't even invented yet. Yeah, they, when did comic book movies get invented? When Christopher Nolan got involved? Um, <laughs> um, I, I guess I guess you could call that the beginning of this era yeah. of comic um, book movies. Um, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a fairly good point but i just meant characters in general so oh yeah um yeah daredevil is like my other big marvel character um but spider-man is my number one marvel character so feel that spider-man is cool yeah. you know i i used character. to read that was like the one sunday comic that i was always most excited for yeah i read a lot of spider-man all of spider-man very interesting very fun um yeah, so I I don't know. I thought Venom was pretty good. It's getting mixed reviews from the critics, uh, but I think the fans seem to like it. I think the people, yeah, are fans. I, I'm sorry, well, I keep like burping up dumpling <laughs> flavor. Oh no! Um, what um, I what I liked about it was that like it didn't feel like it needed to be a lot or like really big yeah. or have a lot going on. It was like a pretty straightforward storyline. You know, it's Venom- closed. It was like its own story. Like it yeah. was like. There was never, I didn't really feel like the threat was ever that, like, the whole world is going to end. I felt like the threat was just, yeah. like, Venom might die. Like, <laughs> yeah, Venom might die, and, like, this carnage might go cause some more destruction in San Francisco, yeah. but not, like, the universe is about to collapse. And I yeah. like that when, like, the stakes don't always have to be, like, the fate of the universe or whatever. Sometimes, it you also know, just like, slightly smaller is good. Logistically, it gives them some leverage later when they want the stakes to be really high. Like, yeah. It was just, like, weird when, like, every movie is the stakes are the entire universe. It was like, no, save yourself the trouble. Just make the stakes, like, the few characters who are in our movie. Like, that's all I need. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, so we, we got that the very simple storyline, just, like, Eddie and Venom's conflict and then fighting Carnage. And, like, that's it. And it's all wrapped up in, like, 90 minutes even, which is super nice. Um, yeah, some of these comic book movies are like two and a half hours long yeah. and they just don't need to always be that long. They really don't. Um, yeah, this one was nice and short. I really appreciated that. Yeah. There's just a lot of good about this movie. It's like silly and stupid, but it's a lot of fun and it's, it's easy. I don't know. I don't have a lot of complaints. I, I'm sorry that critics don't like it. And I'm also sorry that critics are like, it's weird tentacle stuff. I'm like, it's really not that weird tentacle <laughs> stuff. I don't know yeah. if maybe I just like, I don't know if I'm just used to weirder, but like, this was not that weird of a tentacle porn film. This was like, this is fine. This is like <laughs> normal tentacle level. Like, right. I don't know what we're talking about here. Why are we all upset about the tentacles in this movie? I feel like maybe some people just like didn't want a movie that was mostly focused on Eddie Brock and Venom. Like they wanted like the return to the action from before. And uh, I don't care. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it. It, it went really well. Um, oh, one thing I also wanted to mention, I really liked all the, uh, like the artwork that shows up in this. It's mainly, um, Cletus's like drawings from all over his cell. Oh, they sure, made yeah. that look like very spooky and also very comic booky. Yes. Um, that whole setting. And then 
Venom like recreating the drawings he saw was really cool. That was a really neat scene. Um, yeah. also like like Venom like trying to console Eddie when um when he finds out that uh, Michelle Williams is getting married. Um, <laughs> like Eddie, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange to like like see him like because they usually have a fairly antagonistic relationship it's funny to see him being like consoling him and like trying to be like everything's okay it's gonna be great <laughs> oh look i made you breakfast and he makes like a whole mess of everything um and also <laughs> his scene at the at the rave that he goes to where oh, yeah, that was very like, good. Yeah. the glow sticks and everything uh, that was just a funny, silly scene. The There's scene a where it's like meant to parody a coming out scene. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, I'm coming out of the Eddie closet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, It was good. There's a lot of, a lot of different fun moments in this. Yeah, I thought, I just thought overall it was pretty good. I thought, I don't know. I don't know what people don't like about it. People are spoil sports. That's what I think. People don't like about it. They don't like fun. All right. So, why don't we talk about the other current movie we have to discuss, um, which is Dear Evan Hansen. Um, so tap, tap, tapping on the glass. Um, <laughs> look, this movie exists, and it, it did. Yes, it does. I think. This movie, it like really can't be overstated how bad it is that it casts Ben Platt in the main role. It's right. like, it's like there are a lot of people just don't like anything about this movie, whatever. But like, I think that if they'd cast like literally anybody who looked remotely the right age in the main role, this movie might have been okay. Like. Mm-hmm. It's, like, extremely weird that you're watching this movie and the whole time I'm like, that guy might be older than me. I just want to be clear that Ben Platt is younger than me. Like, <laughs> right. but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, that guy is, like, you know, my older brother. Like, I don't really know what we're doing here. Um, he just, like, does not look like a high school senior. He does not. And it's very, very weird. And it really undermines the entire point of the movie or a story, which is, like, you know he's a young guy who lets one moment get out of hand and like runs with the lie forever because he doesn't know how to say well actually that wasn't what happened like yeah which is like an actually i mean it's like a shitty thing that he does but it's like a totally like a 17 year old would do that like right. it's more like, it's more understandable coming from someone young and like naive and inexperienced somehow like seeing him as a, a, a significantly older man makes it seem much more manipulative and sleazy. <laughs> right. It makes it seem like he's doing it for like the worst sort of reasons and not just like these, like, I don't know how to say the truth. And also I'm very upset and don't, and I'm enjoying like, you know, having like a family and all of this stuff that I don't really have at home. Like, it's coming from like a, an almost 30 year old. It's fucking weird. Like it's sort of like <laughs> you could just like nut up and say it like, yeah, you know? Um, but like coming from like a, you know, when it's like a 17 year old, it's sort of like, well, that's like sad. And like, that's, that's like pretty realistic. I would think. Um, 
So, and that's, like, probably why the stage show did so well, and the movie is sort of, like, everybody just being, like, this is weird. Um, it's a shame. I think that there's, like, a good story in there. I think the music is pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like the music. This was my first exposure to any of the music in this, or, the like, yeah. I mean, I was vaguely aware of the story. Uh, I think I've heard some, like, some of these songs in passing, but I... Most have know. heard, like, You Will Be Found right yeah um but it's it's tough like that i i don't know what to think of this movie because on the one hand it's clear that like ben platt was probably too old to do this and like sticks out a lot on the other hand he's probably the most talented singer in the movie yeah like i feel like at times the rest of the cast has trouble keeping up. So that's also a problem. The only, I, I, I did like the, the guy who plays Connor Murphy. Yeah. He was was pretty good good in his limited scenes. Um, but like other than that, there weren't a lot of other standouts here. Um, singing wise. Yeah. I also don't know why was Amy Adams in this movie. She didn't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I do like me some Amy Adams. But um, me too. But she was like cast in this musical and didn't do anything in this musical. Um, right. And we know she can sing. She can. Amy Adams can sing songs. I don't really yeah. know why she can like, like put her in a musical and let her sing. Like she can do it and she has done it. Let her fucking sing. And the character in the stage show does sing some music. I, anyway, um, very weird. Very weird choice. Uh, I just yeah. think. It, there's a lot of weird, I don't know, there's just, like, a lot of weird choices in this movie. And it's sort of weird because I do think it's getting, like, a somewhat heavily, like, a somewhat overly maligned reputation just because right. of the Ben Platt situation. Like, yeah, that like, is pretty bad. That it's, it's pretty egregious. And it's it's egregious that it's, like, he clearly got cast because he has a father who's a producer in Hollywood, like, like that's, like, all bad and, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, he's also still, like, a good performer. Like, he's not, like, right. it's not, like, he's not, like, Paris Hilton, who's getting cast in movies yeah. and can't do shit. Like, you know, and sorry, Paris, but you can't do shit. Um, <laughs> I love Repo, yeah. but, like, you're bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. that's, like, the point of your role in Repo. So, like... She's perfect for that role, exactly. Yeah, like, like... You know, he's Ben Platt is like actually good, like, and so that's like it's like a shame because it's like also like he shouldn't be relegated to this role anymore. He's a almost thirty year old man; he shouldn't have to play a high school senior role anymore. But yeah. at the same time, he also probably wants to because it's like this show, this role won Tonys. Like, well, okay, but like fucking grow up like the rest of us. Like I won awards in high school and I don't go back and fucking try to rewin them every other year. Like <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Ben Platt. Like Yeah. You just gotta do better. Like you should have just been like a, a bonus singer on the bonus tracks of the soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like you should have like done like like Carrie Underwood has a song on the soundtrack. That's what you should have done. You should have done a version of a song. Like, right. like you shouldn't be like the main role anymore because to be fair, the main girl is only, she's like 25 or whatever. Like, she's also not, you know, the girl who plays his love interest. Yeah, Caitlin um, Deaver. Yeah, she's uh, not young either. 
but she doesn't look like she's 35 like Ben Platt does. I'm sorry, right. Ben Platt looks, looks like, like he's in his nice 30s, <laughs> which is embarrassing because he was like 27 filming this movie. Like he just looks like really not good here. And yeah, it's something like very about strange. like his hair in this movie. <laughs> yeah, also, the hair. Because I think his hair's his hairline is like receding. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> something about the way they made him up. I feel like they were trying to make him look kind of young, but instead he just looks like he's tired all the time. Like he's which just like, makes him look older because exactly. young people don't look tired. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like it so weird, and it like took me strange. out of it so often because and I felt so bad because I I was like. Sort of like, I'm liking this movie more than I think most people were liking it. Like, because I'm just like, this is like fine. Like, the music's fine. But like, every time I saw him, which is a lot, I was like, oh, God. Like, this is just like very unfortunate to look at. And I want to stop looking at this. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, so people have been a, a bit unduly harsh on this movie, partly because it's, you know, it's funny to say that Ben Platt's been on the beach that makes you old or something like that. And but, it is funny. It's very funny. It's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. But the movie's not terrible. Like, this isn't Cats bad. This is really not. a passably yeah. good movie adaptation of a musical that does have some major problems. Yeah. Um, and one of them being, yeah, Ben Platt not really fitting the role of a high schooler. And that can sometimes just like full on break your immersion. You're just like, this is like weird. Like when he's like, uh, like kissing the, the girl for the first time, it's like, this is kind of creepy. Like, even though, even they're, though they're the actors really are only different. like three years apart, like, right. but it's yeah, like, just know? like visually, this does not look right. <laughs> no. It's just weird. It's so weird. Like, this movie, uh, I don't know. It just, like, it just shouldn't have been Ben Platt, man. Like, and I'm sorry, Ben. I really feel bad for you because, like, this is your role. This is Ben Platt's role, and he wanted to relive this role. And unlike a lot of major musicals that get adaptations, you know, like, it matters what age the person who plays the role of Evan right. Hansen is. You know, it's not like, like, when they do a Wicked movie, Adina Menzel could probably just play Elphaba again. And, like, nobody would say anything. Because it's like, right. yes, it takes place in school, but it's, like, in Oz, and no one cares. Like, you know, she's like... she's be wearing all the witch makeup and everything, so... Yeah, you know, like, it, it's not like... It's not like this movie where it's meant to be set in, like, our actual world. And, like, meant to be, like... Even though it's a musical, it's meant to be sort of, like, a pretty relatable, realistic vision of what it's like to be in high school as a kid with mental illness like you just can't do that at the age of 27 when you look like you're 35 <laughs> like yeah you can't do it and like i don't think he actually looks like he's 35 i think that if i saw him in real life he'd look like a 28 29 year old probably yeah like he he's like a pretty good looking guy and he's yeah like, he's handsome age when he's yeah. not in this movie but part of the problem is like he when when he's not doing this, he has a beard, which like it looks good if you're 27, but obviously you're not going to look 17. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't look yeah. 17 here either, so it's like <laughs> doesn't really work. God, it's just so unfortunate, and I feel for him because he just wanted to fucking do the role that he like originated that got so much fame. Like Dearman Hansen was a sensation on Broadway; it was a huge award winner. Like, but. 
they just waited too long to do the movie, man. He, they needed to. Th I mean, he was already like what twenty something when they released the stage show, you know, when he did that. Yeah. So they waited years to do this one. No, it didn't work. Um, so it's just like a weird thing, and and that really does it detracts from the movie so much because so much of the movie hinges on your understanding that this is like a a teenager making these decisions that this character is making, which just like when it's somebody who's in their upper twenties, again, it just like, doesn't, you're sort of like, well, you should know better. Like if you're 27, you should be able to say, I didn't write that letter. You should be able to say that if you're 17, I don't know. Like you don't want to upset people, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's very I, different. <laughs> it, it It is interesting how like, what's a relatively subtle choice like that really does influence your entire approach of viewing his decisions and his actions. Um, other, other casting notes, um, big fan of Julianne Moore love yeah, her yeah. and almost in pretty much everything I've seen her in her acting. in this is very good. The song she has, <laughs> I was not a fan of, um, so big, so small. I don't know if I've seen her sing in anything before, but this was like, this was not good. <laughs> they cut out some of the, the characters' other songs, and I, I, yeah. I couldn't help but think that it was because <laughs> hey. she's just maybe not the best singer. Right, um, I was just like, because like it was like a big emotional moment, and I was just like, oh, this is this is not good. Oh. I did not like it. I, I was with you on that one. Um, yeah, I, and again, I just... That was just not good. I wondered if they cut out some of the other characters, the characters of their songs. Um, I did like um, several of the other songs. Um, Waving Through the Window, You Will Be Found. I love Waving Through the Window. It's one of my favorite songs of the whole show. It's really good. Very it good. kicks things off very well. It gets like the themes out there. You get introduced to the character. It's very great. Yeah. Some, peop <laughs> some people pointed this out, and this is this is kind of funny that he's singing um i'm on the outside looking in while he's on the inside looking out <laughs> like he's looking out the window at people out in the street um yeah but the people in the street are like what like i love when he was like singing this and he looks out the window and there's just like like crowds of people just like wandering the street I'm like what the what kind of town do you live in? Is everybody like going to the parade downtown or something? Like, <laughs> what the shit is this? Like, this is not any town I've lived in. Wait, no. Okay, so what was really funny, and I don't know if, like, again, I know nothing about this musical um, or the background about it, but judging by what the location is for the Instagram video he makes at the end, um... This movie is set in Bethesda, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that. Um, <laughs> Which, I mean, it seems accurate, honestly. Like, this seems like the sort of thing that would happen in Bethesda. Um, <laughs> this, seems like, <laughs> this seems like the sort of thing that would happen in Bethesda. This just seems like a, a rich D.C. suburb story. That, From my experience with the D.C. suburbs. Uh, you're a very strong DC <laughs> suburb experience. Um, yes. I thought it was like, I thought it was like not quite New England. I think it's like 
New Jersey or Philly, like, is what I think uh-huh. this, this is set in. But I think that's because I think that's what the stage show is maybe set in. Um, and also, I think maybe I'm a little biased because, like, the whole point is, like, an apple orchard, um, right. which is, which is like, a New York thing. I mean, like, Virginia is, is an apple yeah. state. Virginia it's is an kind apple of a new state, England. but, like, Maryland isn't really. Um, but, like, New York is. New York is an apple state. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of always felt like it was, like, somewhere near, like, pretty close to New York, where, like, people could take a day trip to the state of New York, you know? The guy who yeah. wrote it is from Bethesda, so that might be Ooh, nice. where that's coming. That might have just been like a little shout out to him or mm-hmm. something. But the setting doesn't necessarily have to be Bethesda. Um, I just thought that was very funny. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's I, fair. <laughs> I also I thought I was alone during this movie because I knew there were people in the back row and I saw them get up and leave halfway through, um, which already a bad sign but so i looked around and i thought at that point that i was alone so i was probably being a little more vocal in my reactions for the second half of the movie than i normally would have been and then when the the lights came up uh people filed out for the background oh! <laughs> so, like there was at least two people back there. well i, I was like there was like there was like one point like in the Julianne Moore song i was literally saying out loud like this is cringe this is you, you just posted cringe and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, I hope no one heard that." <laughs> oh, they heard that. They knew. Oh, um, they might have. Uh, but then, when the when the Bethesda moment came out, I was like, "Oh my God, Bethesda!" <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, but yes, apologies to those people if you heard my freaking out during that movie. I don't think they um, cared. I they, didn't get over it. They'll they'll live. You know it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, also another song I really liked, um, was the one, uh, I don't know the name of this, but the one where they're like writing the emails, the fake emails from Connor. Um, that one was just like, just a fun, yeah. Yeah. Silly song in the midst of like a bunch of pretty heavy ones. Um, and also most of the, most of the, are like mid tempo upsetting, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but sincerely, me is pretty much like the fun, silly song of the bunch. Um, yeah, and it had um, Colton Ryan, the guy playing Connor Murphy. It was like the the most that he got to do during this movie, pretty much. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, I really like that song as well. I think that's a pretty fun song. Um, it's silly, you know. There's like so many, like. There's just like so many choices that Evan Hansen makes. I gotta say, faking the emails <laughs> is like, <Right. laughs> like, like the whole time you're watching this, it's like you could just say you don't feel comfortable sharing your friend's emails. Like, right? Yeah, you could just say that. You don't have to share your friend's emails with his mom. Like, I mean, I know he's not actually your friend, so you don't feel that like. Like, you know, like, logically, I'm like, if my friend died and it was, you know, if God forbid they took their own life, I would not be like, I will now share their emails with their friends. Right. Like, I wouldn't think that 
that also, would be like I a violation inter- of privacy. I just like fundamentally don't interact with my friends via email. But like, I mean, I do some to some degree, but like that's not like our main form of communication. Right. Um, that might but, be a dated part of this movie at this point. I don't. No, I don't when, think that was ever. I don't think that was ever. I was like, that already e- dated when it came out. I think email has never been the fundamental form of of high schoolers' communication with one another. That has never been a thing that was real. Yeah. And, like, it's weird that, like, there's ever been things where that was pretended to be real. Like, high schoolers went from calling one another to texting one another. That is what happened. Um, Don't forget AIM. I mean. Oh, yeah. AIM. That was my high school experience. Um, Nobody, like, like, high schoolers email one another sometimes. For sure. Because we all, like, live in the world where email exists. That's never been, like, a fundamental form of, like, never been like i'm gonna email you on a friday night to see what you're doing like that's never (laughs) been a thing that anybody has done other than me in college like and i was a fucking weirdo in college i communicated via email in college nobody else did maybe that's maybe that's a function of evan not having any friends and not really knowing what friends do he's like oh yeah we emailed each other that's what friends do yeah I mean, the point is that, like, it's supposed to be, like, he had fake, you know, that Connor Murphy had other email accounts that his parents couldn't get into, which yeah. sort of makes sense, because you can't do that with texting the same way, but you can totally do that with email. Um, right. So I guess it sort of makes some degree of sense, uh, but it is still, like, a weird thing. Um, but also, they, like, like, fake these emails, and they're like, yeah, we'll just, like, and, like, the guy's like, oh, yeah, I, like, can code, so I can do this. I'm like, you don't need to code before the emails. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what yeah. coding was involved in doing like, this. Like, I don't really know what just you're talking about. You just email. need to, like, do something. Like, you don't even need to send, I mean, to send fake emails. You just need to, like, mock them up in Microsoft Word. You just can't send fake emails because there are timestamps on fake emails right. that you send. So, so, like, in theory, you'd be coding to, like, make some sort of, like, fake email login that looks real and has the fake timestamps, but it's actually, like, a website that you made. But then they he just printed out the emails and gave it to them. So it's like you could have just you could have just done this in Word. Yeah. <laughs> just, just written the emails and then put a fake timestamp at the top. Nobody would have known. Nobody would know um, anything. Especially so, this mom, who clearly wouldn't know. She, I'm sorry, Amy Adams, but you wouldn't know shit. Um, so, yeah, it's just like a very weird thing. Um, weird. Weird. But that's like one of the worst things he does. I mean, Evan Hansen does some shitty things in this, because like just like lying about this is just like bad. It's just like a bad look. Um, shouldn't do that. I'm sorry. Bad, bad choice. But yeah. mock it, mocking up those emails was, like, one of the worst choices he makes. It's like, you just, like, should not. You shouldn't have done this. Um, right. This is, yeah, that's very bad. Um, and there's not really, like, there's not really a lot to be gained from doing it either. It's just like, oh, like, to provide more proof of the fact that he, they were actually friends. Yeah, he thinks he think like he writes his emails because he obviously writes them in a way to make it sound like Connor Murphy is like a better and nicer kid than he was, so that mm-hmm. his parents are like, "Wow, we loved him and we were right to love him," and like that's the whole point. But it's like 
it's not really doing anyone any favors to pretend that Connor Murphy wasn't complicated and upsetting. Um, yeah. He was an upsetting guy. He was mean and he was nasty. And part of that was because he was an addict, but you know, you can't just pretend that wasn't true. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I don't know. O- overall, like watching through this was, was a complicated experience. Cause I'm like, you, you have to you keep remembering like, Oh yeah. Like this is actually like a shitty thing that he's doing. <laughs> like remember even when, like, as you're watching it. When they're, when they're singing like you will be found. And it's like this big inspirational moment. It's like, this is built on a lie. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> like, all this emotional stuff. It's like, this is just, this is all fake. This is actually just all about you, not about Connor and all. It's very strange. And then at the end, like you're expected to at least to some extent, like forgive him for doing this. And I'm like, I don't know if you should like this is, I don't know if you can justify like some of the stuff he's done throughout this. It's maybe it's supposed to be a complicated experience getting through this. I don't know, but it's, it's a it's a morally difficult film <laughs> and story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think the music is good. You know, the music what? is good. I just yeah. want to go back to that. The music is good. It's really nice. I listen to the soundtrack fairly often. Not specifically the the movie soundtrack. Just to be clear, I listen to the actual stage show soundtrack. Um, and I like it. I like it a lot. And I I've always enjoyed it. Um, so you know. I enjoy some things about this musical. I think it's it is complicated. I think that I think the movie suffered from leaning a little too heavily into the you will be found of it all. It's sort of like it's sort of a story about a kid making a bad choice and having to live with that forever. And the the movie yeah. tried to make it like this inspirational story in a way that it's just it's not actually. It's like and it's actually interesting that it's like this story where like all of the most inspirational moments are built on a lie because in a lot of ways that's like a really interesting topic to touch off from. Because I, I was, think that's often I mean, not to be pessimistic. I think that's often the truth though. Like is it like a lot of like our like the most inspirational things people will tell you, they'll be like, I don't know, fucking you know, shit like reach for the star reach for the moon, you'll land among the stars. I don't whatever the fuck that shit is. Um, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, like all of these inspirational things that people say and do are like, it's often like, well, that's like bullshit. Um, yeah. So, you know, like in a lot of ways, like that's like actually an interesting direction to go. And that's sort of what the, it's all about. But like the movie doesn't really do that. It sort of like makes you think that's supposed to be like real. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I, I do feel like that's a big part of it is like, it's all about like, you know, wanting to believe inspirational stuff like that, even when the truth is much darker, you know, like, uh, Connor's parents wanting to believe that like he had this nice side where he was like, you know, a good kid who had friends and stuff, but he was just a little troubled. Um, but the reality is darker than that. Um, and I, I think it also ties in 
very well to like how fake everything on social media is. I'm not For sure, sure yeah. like if, if this was intentional, cause like this part of the movie felt like it was supposed to be like big and inspirational and stuff. The part where like everybody's sharing his video around and saying like, Oh my God, like, look at, look at what happened. This high school kid, his friend died and stuff like that. And like, I was just thinking through that scene, like this is all so fake, like so incredibly fake. But it's also like exactly how like a lot of interaction online goes, just like people mindlessly sharing things like like, this is inspirational. This will change your life. And like some of it's just completely meaningless. Well, I think you're supposed to feel that way because like because Evan's entire speech during that is is a lie. And so when everybody's sharing it, it is fake. Like it is it is necessarily fake. So I think I think you are right to feel that way, that it all it all feels fake. I think that's the point. Um, it's, it's also like, I feel like sort of a complicated subject. Like some of the, I think one of the biggest disservices the movie does to itself is it like it's most interesting concepts. It, it tends to just like ignore. And one of those is that like, you know, when somebody dies, we all tend to like fucking glamorize them. We're like, wow, they were so whatever. And this movie really has an opportunity to say like, you know, especially with like the main character of uh, what's her name? You you said that the actress um, who plays the main girl. What's her name? Uh, Caitlin Deaver. Caitlin Deaver. Her character like is really exemplifying this, where it's like sometimes somebody dies, and everybody's like, "Wow, we really missed them, and they were so great." And it's sort of like, "Well, I I don't miss them, and like they were a bad person, and they were mean to me, and like she really has this like." entire plot line that's like about that and i think it's really interesting the movie makes you ignore that so that you think that like no he was great and it's like well can we linger on the fact that like he was an asshole like yeah like, and, you know like and like I, I i think that that's like a, a a thing that we don't talk enough about like you know just like in polite society and i i get why i guess but like when somebody dies everybody tends to like talk about the good aspects of them but like sometimes people who are just assholes to you die <laughs> like, and you don't yeah. want to say anything nice about them. And like, <laughs> it's like one of the, that's like one of the, the, mo- the things this movie has or the story. I don't want to say the movie has in it. That's like really interesting. And that it's exploring like what happens when somebody who like is not a good person necessarily and who is not nice to people dies. And how do you react to that? Because like, Sometimes you do still love those people, like Caitlin Deaver's character does with her brother, because it's her brother. Right. Like, you sometimes still don't have anything nice to say about them. Like, and I don't know, like, I've had that experience. I don't know about everybody else who listens, but, like, I have family who passed on, and I didn't have anything nice to say, but I, I did love them at the same time. Because you don't have to like somebody to love them. Like, right. you yeah. know? And so I think... I think that's like one of the interesting things that this story can explore. And it's unfortunate that the movie sort of just like glosses over that aspect. Cause I think it's one of the better aspects that's here. It's like what the, the death of Connor Murphy, who is not a, a nice person by any account. I mean, I don't care what, sto- what clip of him singing a sad song in rehab we get at the end of this movie is he is not a nice person. Very obviously. Um, and maybe he's not a nice person because he has addiction trouble. And, you know, that's real. Right. And I, I've known people who have who have dealt with that. And it's hard. But he's still not a nice person to anybody that he knows. And 
no amount of addiction trouble forgives that. Um, you know, um, right. There are lots well, of addicts who are also very nice. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's just a bummer that the movie doesn't explore that as much. Uh, I think the value in them getting to see the song at the end isn't so much like showing. Also, like, that song good... is not in the stage show. I just want to be clear. That's really the... interesting. Yeah, Ooh, I wonder if I wonder if that was an Oscar bait right there. It's written for the, the actor who plays Connor Murphy. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, I think it's it's not necessarily to like put a good side on him or anything, but it's you know it's it's giving them some some insight into him, something that they didn't have before, which is something. Yeah that they were missing. They were like, he, he, we knew that he played songs, but he never would sing anything for us. Yeah. And, they, and like, I do think it's like, it's good that they like say that after all of the Connor Murphy stuff that we've learned is a lie. Well, we all knew it was a lie because we knew Evan Hansel was lying the whole time. Um, you know, it's, it's like good to give a like, yes, all of those other good things you learned about him were lies, but it's what this one other thing is actually good. Like, you know, that's like a nice, it's good because I don't think anybody is all bad or all good, really. Um, but, you know, it is like a weird, well, it's just like a weird moment. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, what are we supposed to do with this? Um, but I do think it's important that his family has something, you know, something to latch on to. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought, for the most part, the, the movie was, was a good portrayal of like mental illness and the struggles that people yes. go through yeah. um specifically a good portrayal of anxiety yeah. which you don't really get too much of like i feel like depression gets portrayed a lot more than anxiety um this this movie per- nails anxiety pretty well i think um and um the opening song is is all about that as well um, right. I really like that. I like that too. I think the most of, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, most of Evan Hansen's problems can come down to the fact that he has anxiety. That's why any of this story happens, right? Like he doesn't know how once somebody says, Oh, you, he wrote this letter to you. He is too anxious to say, no, it, it this wasn't to me from him. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, he yeah, he I can't think. get himself out of the situation and stuff starts snowballing. Which I do get. It's like that's sort of like I don't know, like it's like shitty that he does it, but like I I try to put myself in those shoes if somebody if parents of somebody who just taken their own life came to me and said, "He wrote this letter to you." I I honestly don't know how I would have reacted at the age of 17, you know? <laughs> um, right. I I might have said, "Yeah, that I probably wouldn't have taken everything as far as he did. I mean, I got right. <laughs> See, um, that's the problem. You could have just been like, "No, sorry, I, I, I delete all my emails or something." Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have had the the guts to say, "No, I wrote that to myself." I probably been like, "Yeah, sorry," but I would have been like, "You know, we talked some, but we weren't super close." It would have made it right. seem much sadder than it was, honestly. And it would have seemed more <laughs> realistic too. Like I, I kept wondering, like, why doesn't he just say that? Like, oh, we didn't know each other that well. We just talked a few times, and like, I guess that he really didn't have any other friends. Like, yeah, that, that would have like, seemed <laughs> realistic and very, very sad. Um, but you know, he's he was somebody who wanted friends and family, because um, he didn't have any of those things. And I think that's another thing the movie didn't do super well is like. 
portrayed just how desperately desperate he was for family even because like julian moore does a good job of saying like the mom who cares um but he he his character is somebody who does not feel like he has a family at home in this movie because she's never around she's always working um and that's stated i don't know that it's shown you know what i mean like it's sort of like we we hear them say that a lot but i i think that maybe the movie doesn't do a good job of making you feel that he's so alone right Um, yeah i think so uh, and i i think that is to the movie's detriment because that that explains a lot of why he's doing this because i do think a lot of why he's doing it is just to have amy adams and what's his name as parents um which who plays the dad oh my god what's the actor's name um he's very good but i can't remember his name um but yeah um you know that the the you know he's doing this to have this family right and so mm-hmm. i think i think the movie doesn't quite show enough how you know how how lonely he feels at home necessarily yeah yeah i think i think that's right you know um we we do see a lot of julianne moore's character like being at work having to skip um things that they were supposed to do together but part of the problem is like we we see too much of her side of things we see like oh she's struggling to keep this family afloat so it's like well yeah she's gone all the time but she's like barely you know she's treading water here um it doesn't seem like so unreasonable that she's not spending time around the house or with evan no yeah it doesn't at all yeah I agree with that. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, I don't know. The movie just makes a lot of weird choices. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true. Uh, like, I don't know. I went into this. Uh, like, like I said, we've, we've heard very bad things about this. People have been comparing it to cats, which I think is totally unfair. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, they, they, I can see that there are major problems with it, but it's, it's likable at times, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a complete flop. It's got stuff going for it. It's got hard. I think, I don't think there's like no heart here. Like, yeah. I think that's the big thing. Is it like the way people were talking about it? It felt like it was like purely cynical and weird. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the movie earnestly wants to tell you something. It doesn't do it necessarily, <laughs> but it, it wants to, which is nice. I mean, that's better than some movies. I mean, that's better than The Prom did, um, which I thought was just cynical. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, know. Yeah, and, and I think part of what's important to it not being cynical is that it when it ends, it's not like everything is unambiguously good and everything that he did is fine, whatever. Like when you get to the end, you feel that like there were consequences for his actions somewhat like people. There's some people who just don't are never going to like him again. And even uh, the like Connor's sister seems to have somewhat forgiven him by the end. She's not like, gonna be best friends with him after this she's not gonna date him anymore yeah i was gonna say he doesn't get the girl 
Yeah. Like, uh, and know, I think that's, that's like important. A big, that's a big thing. Yeah. You see that like, you know, things are, things aren't not just necessarily like cut and dry. Like he doesn't he, seem to make friends again with Amy Adams. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, he doesn't get his life back. He's alone in the end. I mean, the movie ends with him being alone, looking over a valley, like, right. It's it's like presented as this like beautiful valley, but like he's still he's alone. Um, I don't know. I I do think that's important. I think it, it matters because he still is paying for what he did because he did some fucked up shit. I'm sorry. It, like he like tortured this family. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> he he made them he made them go viral in a bad way, and uh like that. Okay, yeah, that's we, not his fault. We should, right? Like he shares. You couldn't that have le- seen that coming. He shares the letter that is supposed to be from Connor, in what he thinks is good faith with his friend, and says, "You cannot share this with anyone else." And she posts it online. That's yeah. that's not his fault. I mean, first of all, he shouldn't have sent it as an email. Right. He, he should have just, just shown it to her from her, his phone. He should yeah. have been like here. But like, um, come on, opsec. Yeah, that, you, gotta, you can't be sharing. You can't just be sending people um, incriminating information. Yeah, so that was just like a rookie mistake. But like, um, he still couldn't have known he she was gonna post that. That's a fucked up thing that she right. Um, but like, you know, um, but he like he shouldn't have done it. Um, he shouldn't have done any of that. So I don't know, like, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, she shouldn't have shared it, but he also shouldn't have let things get to the point where she needed to share it. So (sighs) very difficult, very difficult to be Evan Hansen, um, to be 17 and so full of anxiety that you're tap, tap, tapping (laughs) on the glass. To be 17 waving and also 35. Window. Who is he waving at through the window? When he's like waving through windows. I'm like, who? Are you Quasimodo? Like, who are you waving at? <laughs> that is like a Quasimodo song. I'll have spent one day out there. <laughs> oh, God. He is. He, <laughs> Evan Hansen is Quasimodo. Evan Hansen is definitely Quasimodo. There's like a very clear... There's like a through line from Quasimodo to Evan Hansen. Um, <laughs> we couldn't have Dear Evan Hansen in the movie without The Hunchback of Notre Dame by <laughs> Victor Hugo. Um, the Hunchback walked so Evan Hansen could run. Mm, I love it. Evan Hansen did not run. Well, actually, well, he, did. he did. He Naruto ran. <laughs> he Naruto ran in that one scene. <laughs> That's was- like the whole. That was like a whole, like, when I was rating this movie, five, you know, I had five stars to rate this movie. I was like, it loses a whole fucking star for the fucking Naruto run. <laughs> the thing oh, is, so like, <laughs> as goofy as that looked, and as much as people clowned on that on online, like, that was one of the more, like, realistic high school moments of the movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. I could yeah. absolutely see a 17-year-old awkward kid with anxiety just running away from a conversation like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You're like, I gotta go. And he just runs away. And I was like, okay. You good, Evan? You good? <laughs> He's not clearly good. not, not good. Um, yeah. 
That was pretty realistic, but it was just like the humor of it being like the actual Naruto run. Like he he threw his arms <laughs> out behind him and everything. I was like, why are we doing yes. this? Yes. Oh my god. Okay, folks, it has come to this. Oh we are here, ready to discuss our final film of the night. 1982's Cafe Flesh. A reminder to our audience, if you don't want to hear us discussing hardcore pornography, now's the time to, to hit stop on your on your podcast player. Uh, specifically, if you're you're listening at work or something, <laughs> we're going to try to keep it PG-13. Um, speak oh. for yourself. Um, <laughs> well, this film is rated X, so conversations may delve in that direction. Yeah. Listen. All right. Let's go on. Yeah. So when I first conceived of this project, when the letterbox list of um, uh, pornographic movies by genre directors came out, (laughs) um, that was when I, that was when I was like, okay, I've got to see some of these movies because this is interesting. Like, you know, I, I knew about like the seventies and like how for a while, you know, porn was like a chic thing to go and see in the theaters, whatever. But I never knew that there were a significant number of directors who had crossed over between the worlds of pornographic film and mainstream film. Right. So I found that very interesting. I knew I wanted to talk about one of the movies off this list so I picked what sounded like the weirdest one on there <laughs> in true Buzz on Movies <laughs> fashion. Uh, Cafe Flesh from 1982. Uh, kind of interesting here that it's 1982. This is kind of like after the heyday, just slightly after the heyday of like pornography, you know, like the late 70s was kind of when all that stuff was happening. Early 80s. They were still making stuff like this, but, you know, videotape was starting to come out. People were already moving away from the theaters, more to in-home for obvious reasons. Sure, yeah. So um, this may re- represent, a, like, an attempt of trying to, to make – keep keep the, the interest in pornography alive. You know, you're not, with a movie like this, you're not just getting sex scenes. You're getting, like, a whole – weird story and a weird world thrown in there. Um, (laughs) The description of this film is as follows. In the future, humans are divided into sex negatives and sex positives. The negatives get sick if they have sex, so they go to Cafe Flesh to see positives who are forced to perform on stage for the negatives. Lana is a positive who everyone thinks is a negative, and she must decide whether to come clean or not. I just think that I love the summary that makes it seem like that's a more, like, it makes it seem like that's, like, a plot point that is, like, actually relevant in the story. Like, I don't, there was never a moment watching this where I was like, is this character going to end up having sex with people to see? It's like, like, Could, Could the character in a porno movie end up having sex by the end? I don't know. Right. I'm pretty sure the character who's like, like she's going to end up having sex, uh, you know, it's just like, it's going to happen. And so like a funny, I mean, you know, it wasn't 2000 and 
21. So maybe it wasn't as obvious at the time, but you know, now it's like, yeah, of course she's going to end up having sex. <laughs> like, I think even in 1982, you know, if you, if you're going, if you're going to the local porn theater to watch this thing, you're pretty certain to see the, uh, the will they, won't they will resolve in a, Oh, they will. Oh, oh they will. And they're going to love it. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, this film was directed by Steven Sayadian under the, uh, under the name rinse dream which I thought was a really good uh, pseudonym. Um, it's like, I don't, I don't, like it sounds like a, like a rapper name or something. It sounds like really surreal and weird. Um, he um, has uh, directed a few other pornographic films as well. Also is Rinse Dream. Um, he also made another entry on this list uh night dreams he was involved in that um and that seems to be more of the same kind of thing we'll get into exactly what kind of thing that is in a minute (laughs) um but um as far as i can tell the one big like non-pornographic movie he's known for is 1989's dr caligari which is like a pseudo sequel to the uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the mo- the silent movie. Um, I haven't seen this movie. It looks pretty weird, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I may have to check this out. Um, he also worked with Jerry Stahl on that film who wrote this one um, alongside Sandian himself. Right. Uh, <laughs> another, another interesting, uh, credit for this film is that um richard belzer has an uncredited role in this film richard belzer known for playing um detective munch on a series of um different tv shows including um law and order svu homicide life on the street um a bunch of other like detective type shows but he he is playing the loud mouthed audience member in here of course because why not i wasn't sure exactly who that was gonna be but then that guy showed up i was like yep that is one loud mouth audience member and that kind of looks like detective munch if you can squint whatever um <laughs> was watching this on a, a, a very degraded <laughs> digital file obtained through certain methods. So uh, the quality on this was not great. Um, as far as I can tell, the only way to watch this movie legally is to obtain a DVD, which is currently out of print. So uh, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I don't think that would be worth it either um, some of these movies are getting re-releases which is interesting i looked at a couple of other movies off of this list and some of them have blu-ray releases through vinegar syndrome which does a bunch of like restorations of old like pulpy kind of b movies and cult films and like weird bits of peculiar interest so it kind of makes sense that they're trying to 
do this with some of the stranger pornographic offerings out there. Um, but uh, as far as I can tell, they haven't done this one. Uh, uh, Interesting. I don't, <laughs> okay. Let's let's talk about what happens in the movie itself. Well, there's not um, a lot of plot that happens in this movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, this, I know that's like we're reviewing a porn film, so yeah, there's not a lot of plot. Blah 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 blah. This is a movie where there's a high concept. Um, it's about you know sex positives and sex negatives, and most people are sex negative, and so they just have to watch people having sex. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. The whole time, so like a plot point of this movie is that like, if you're sex positive, you have to have sex. Like, yeah. You you're... like people who don't want to have sex will pretend to not be sex positive. Um, yeah. If you if you're sex positive, you're required to perform at the Cafe Flesh, which is uh, pretty uh, eerie and uh, questionable. Right. And so I think that, like, that's one of the more interesting things here. Um, the movie doesn't really care so much about actually exploring that, obviously. They care more about just putting people on stage to have sex. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is, like, a weird thing that that's, you know, a blood one here. You you don't have a choice if you're sex by, like, And so I think that to a certain extent it's, like, it sort of inverts some of, like, you know, you hear that there are people who can have sex and people who can't have sex. I think the natural inclination to just, is to think that, like, wow, the people who can't have sex are, that's like a sad life. Um, yeah. And we see a lot of that. You know, we see them complaining about it in their various trials and tribulations. Totally fair. It's a very, I would also probably complain about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, well, probably, probably would not be a part of that equation. I would just complain about it. Um, but I don't know that I would prefer the alternative of having to have sex in front of a bunch of people all the time. Right. Like, we don't get to see as much of that about like the negatives of that lifestyle, because as far as the sex positives go, we pretty much just see them perform on stage. Mostly like in terms of the non sex scenes of the film, we spend most of our time with the sex negatives and seeing their like daily lives, mostly just hanging out at cafe flesh, but we do get brief glimpses of the world outside. Yeah. I mean, we, we do it's, they are very brief and, but it, it does seem that like being sex positive is not necessarily significantly better, you know? Right. So you have I guess... sex, but your life is kind of sad and upsetting. <laughs> In that sense, I guess we can understand Lana's conundrum about whether or not to uh, to end up coming clean about being a sex positive. So uh, it's worth mentioning as well. I don't think we, we've touched on this yet that part of the reason, well, not part of it, but the entire the reason that that all this weird stuff is going on is that there was some sort of like nuclear war or something that went on. And the fallout is what caused everybody's sex stuff to go weird um so this is taking place in like a post-apocalyptic world which is a very interesting setting for a porno film it and it's it's very bleak in fact i, I have to say 
for you know a movie that's supposed to titillate and excite this movie is very dreary and sad at times <laughs> like the the world that this movie posits is a very unpleasant one yeah it's like actually very upsetting and i it's i like i don't want to watch this and be horny like i don't know <laughs> like it's just like kind of upsetting um, yeah it's very it's, weird. For for a porn film, it is is not the most erotic. <laughs> no, even when it's being erotic, it's not the most erotic. Yeah. Um, there was one great quote that I I wrote down about the uh, the nuclear fallout and its effects that I wanted to make sure to get in here. Um, at one point. What's his name? Max Melodramatic, who's like the MC of the Cafe Flesh. And he has like, he has so much personality. He's a lot of fun. Um, but he says, like, like, somebody's from Wyoming. And he says, Wyoming, where a man can still be a man if he doesn't mind sleeping in lead pajamas. <laughs> uh, okay, great. This sounds like a fun world. Um, Max Melodramatic is a real character. He introduces each of the he introduces each of the acts at the Cafe Flesh, and he also has some interactions with the uh, the sex negatives at the bar and uh, other places in the cafe. Um, but mostly, he's notable for introducing the acts and doing these very over the top uh, celebrity impressions, including uh, Elvis. I can't remember who else he does. But uh, Elvis they're very, is also the big one I remember. Yeah, Elvis is he does Elvis a couple times. He, um, but it's very interesting because like this this takes place in like some sort of far flung future, or maybe not that far flung. I don't know how far it's supposed to be. But it's funny that like all the the references to this movie, even for the eighties, feel kind of dated. Like like they're talking about like people from like the fifties and stuff like that. And right. it's interesting to think like in this post-apocalyptic world, like how much of um, the culture has survived from before the nuclear war, how much of this is just like strange shit. That's like filtered down. Like the only stuff they know from the before times is like weird Elvis impressions that people do and stuff like that. (laughs) It's interesting to think about. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the acts themselves, (laughs) which are, extremely bizarre and surreal and i gotta say not not that titillating shall we say they're not Um, particularly sexy they're like it was very weird i thought that going into i thought going into this movie i was like it'd be a weird thing to watch right before we record because we're gonna (laughs) like it's gonna be a bit much and then i'm gonna be going to this episode feeling a bit much um (laughs) And I did not feel that way coming into this. I I was just sort of like this. These scenes were weird. I mean, even when it's like at its most hardcore, it's just kind of weird. Like, right? The music is weird. The acting is weird. The overall energy is weird. Costumes and settings are weird. Costumes um, and settings are weird. I gotta say, I mean, I don't watch a lot of like seventies and eighties porn. They're not wearing condoms, which is a weird thing given. Oh, yeah. Like this was like pre pre AIDS. 
Yeah, um, I, I guess that's a big thing. Is that it was is the pre AIDS crisis, right? Um, quote unquote. Yeah, so, you, you won't see any condoms in this movie no. or in a lot of seventies porn. I've watched a few older films of particular interest, um, <laughs> but I, I have to say, like you get kind of familiar with the style of shooting porn in those days, which is like very like close up heavy. It's like, it's a, a little off putting. It's like actually very off putting at times. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really into like the close up heavy period. Depersonalizing it is. Yeah. But what's even stranger about this is that it's like, there's only like two modes of this movie during these scenes. It's like the close ups and then like the just the wild uh, wide shots and the wide shots are always very weird because uh, <laughs> to get into it, uh, every sexy, every sex scene in this movie has some sort of strange theme or story behind it. And it's played out very surreally. Um, yes. The first one is like this like 1950s style housewife sitting at home when like the milkman comes by but it's <laughs> not the milkman it's like a guy in a, like a skin tight rat costume with a milkman hat and like a big God. rat nose and stuff I forgot, and... There was a fu- I forgot he had the fucking rat nose god that was so upsetting <laughs> It's it's not it's it's very um, off putting and strange. Yeah. Um, it's set the tone though. I think everything from yeah. there. I was like, I was like, well, all right. And then like in the background too, like during the entire scene, like and I mean the entire scene from like the setup to like the sex part to like the end of it. There's like these three men like dressed up as babies in high chairs, like banging on the, like the high chair table part and like, like yelling and like flailing their arms. And like, they have like big bushy beards and stuff. It's like, it's very strange. And they have like painted faces and yeah, it's very, one of them's them's wearing a, a, like a bed that says like little brat or something. Yes. Yes. Oh God, it's so upsetting. It's very, it's so strange. And that's the first. That's like one of the first scenes of this movie. Yeah, that's like super they, early on. They that's- introduce the cafe flesh, and they're like, "This is our first act." And then you see this, and you're like, "Oh, okay, so this is what this is gonna be like." Yeah. Oh boy. Um, I don't, I don't remember all of the sex scenes in this movie. Um. But the other one that I thought was noteworthy, it was the one that's supposed to take place at like an office, but it's, it's a very, it's a weird, like fever dream office. Like there's, there's one woman here is like the entire time is just like, she's like acting like a secretary. She's like, can I take a memo? And she's like, keep saying that again and again. And like doing like office pantomime things, like picking up the phone and like typing and stuff. And then there's like the businesswoman who has like a big chart or something and she's like on a desk and then this giant anthropomorphic pencil comes yes. in and fucks her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just a guy wearing like a big 
like pencil head thing over him. But it's it's like the we it's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. And that was the point where I was like, is this like even trying to be erotic? I don't know. Um, it certainly succeeds in being weird if that's right. what they're going for. Um, and it, I think that they are going for that. I don't even know if they're trying to actually get anybody off with this thing. <laughs> it's hard but, to imagine that they were trying, but like, why else make it? I don't know. Um, it's a very interesting experimentation with the form of pornography. Like, you know, they have like the same each scene, each like each act of the cafe flesh is like a scene in a porno, but like dialed down to its most basic, like um, archetypal elements and then like put through some sort of weird nightmare filter. And then that's just like what people are watching on the stage to get like some ounce of joy because they can't have sex it's kind of like in a way the whole thing is like a big metaphor for watching pornography yeah because it's like you know like there's these people who aren't having sex who are here watching erotic acts on stage but they're really weird and strange and stilted and not really that sexy but like this is what they're doing for fun and it's like it is like watching pornography. It's like you're you're when you're watching pornography, you're not having sex. You're watching other people have sex, and it's often really weird. But this thing dials the weird up to eleven to like emphasize that that is like really strange. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that like I don't know, this movie like takes I don't know. It's just like a really weird experience watching it because it you have to wonder if the movie knows that it's being unsexy and how in the way that it presents sex, like it's hard to say if the movie, I just couldn't get a right read on it. I didn't know if the movie knew how off it's sex scenes were. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it sort of felt like, well, maybe they get it. Maybe they're in on the joke, but maybe they're not like, <laughs> It's, Hard to it, say. It's impossible huh. that the movie just thinks this is sexy. Um, it'd be upsetting, but it is possible. <laughs> yeah. Other other parts of the film, um, the main protagonist of like the sex negatives, I think, is the character called Nick. Say, it's hard as far to- as protagonists go. Um, no, it's it's hard to like talk about these parts of the movie because like there there's not a lot of synopses online and while you're watching this you're also kind of like what am i seeing the entire time um but let's just say that that nick is is the main protagonist because anyway so like he's like simultaneously like fed up with going to the cafe flash like he keeps leaving but like the you know, the bouncer is like, oh, we know you'll be back because apparently he always is. And he's always he's been complaining about this for a while. And um, he's dating Lana uh, to whatever extent you can date in this world. Um, and we see them like try to have sex at their apartment and you see them like become ill and be unable to do it, um, which is apparently the way this works. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. 
But that's like that. That is like the background drama to all this is where like interspersed with like the scenes on stage is like the the struggles of the the sex negatives as they both like need this stuff because like it's the closest they can get to actually feeling something. But also like they're sick of this. Like they it's just like tantalizing them with stuff they can't have. Um, and Lana, we we don't even really get much of a sense until late in the movie that she might actually be a sex positive. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's it's in the description as if like this is the big question the whole time. It's like I feel like I didn't even know that this was an option until the end. But yeah, apparently she's going through that. Also, the entire time we are desperately awaiting the arrival of Johnny Rico, um, who's supposed to be like <laughs> one of the best performers in the country or something. Uh, <laughs> I also liked when like the bartender was bragging about like having seen all the greats. He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen them all. You know, I've seen Johnny Rico before. I've seen like all these other people. <laughs> it's like This is like like how you'd brag about like, oh, yeah, I saw Led Zeppelin live back in 72 or right. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> very very funny um there are there are some some funny bits in in this um mostly from max melodramatic yes. his introductions are always very over the top there's there's one scene where his his head is like in a in a plastic cube or something while a woman is sitting on top of it I was just thinking it's like the water tube scene and saw five or whatever it was. <laughs> yes. Where he has to stick the thing. He has to give himself a tracheotomy. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So, and then eventually Johnny Rico shows up and then Lana decides that she's going to like, she's tempted by the sex positive lifestyle and she goes up and has sex with everybody on stage and then the movie because of course you just go have sex with everybody on stage i can't imagine being like i've decided i want to have sex now so i'm gonna have sex with a bunch of people in front of everyone um okay sure um yeah and she's apparently a virgin so this is like her first time like on stage (laughs) what about when the character when she's like um it's not oh is it what the one character's like i don't understand why I just want to have sex all the time. I know you can't, but I want to have sex every day all the time. It's like, all right, get fucked. Like, well, like, great. Good for Thanks. you. Um, good for you. So, okay. Like, it was just such a weird, it really was a weird viewing experience to watch him. Like, we picked one of the, the hardcore porns that, like, maybe didn't want us to be turned on. I have no idea. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, I do have to wonder if that's, like, part of it. Is that that's, like, part of the message? It's like, you know, the, the, the like, the, the voyeurism of, of pornography and whatever. It's like, it's ultimately not satisfying. Right. Uh, I mean, like, this, there were, like, there this were... will not be satisfying either. <laughs> Obviously, there were moments that I think were supposed to be, like, titillating, like, close-up shots of, like, dick penetrating vagina, or, like, <laughs> like the, like, some of the shots of, like, eating pussy were, like, extremely close-up, and, like, you saw, like, 
he saw things like stretched out and I was like, all right, we're doing that. Um, <laughs> like, uh, but like, it still didn't even feel that sexy. Like, I don't know. Like, it was just like a very weird experience. I was like, this should be like hot. Like I should feel something watching these scenes. Like these are scenes that in like contemporary porn, they would be shot. At, like, I don't know. Like I would probably feel something. They're not, they were not doing it for me. So, yeah. You know, part part of part of my experience watching this was that like I was wishing that somebody would make modern day cafe flesh yeah, with, I, you know, with modern uh, filming techniques and everything like digital cameras and like everything. Then you could see, like, is this actually meant to be erotic or not? Even like slightly <laughs> better acting. Like, I got to say, the, the acting was uh, was a week. The I mean, acting I, was was not great, but I I'd say for a poor movie, it actually like wasn't that bad. Like there you were, actually, I'm sorry, there were scenes where it was like laugh out loud bad. But, um... <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I I mean, like specifically, like the 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 pain of the sex negatives and like their their sort of like humdrum lives. I felt like was kind of uh portrayed pretty well and like you like the way just even just like the way they sat at the tables and everywhere you could see that like they they had like kind of a miserable existence and that they they really this was all they had to get by in their day yeah i mean i think that's right and the the whole drama with nick and lana was you know it's not like this is an oscar stuff but I think it's it's interesting to in a porn movie, you know, have a scene where people try to have sex and it doesn't go well. <laughs> like I mean that in itself, just having that in a porn movie is unusual. But I also thought that that scene, you know, had a lot of like pathos to it. Like you could sort of feel for the, their suffering and that like that this was the world that they lived in. There wasn't a lot they could do about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's somewhat right, and it's just no. There's just it's just such a weird movie. It's, it's a weird. One. It like, is. You know, you, you mentioned like how like old porn shooting was like depersonalizing. Like all of this was like, and like that. I don't think that's contemporary porn anymore. I think porn now is like built on like you watch for certain actors, for example. Like people watch for like different performers right. now. I don't know how much of that was the case in like the seventies and early eighties. There were some celebrities. There were. Celebrities, I mean, obviously, but we I don't. But like, but like now, I like I know people. Notables just, in this, right? No, 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 not in this. Um, but like now, like I know people who like watch things. are like, oh, I've seen all of their videos. I, you know, like people watch for like different performers now. Um, right. It, it. I think it is like more personalized now. Like people want to like see shots where you can see faces and like see entire like actual not just like wide angle where you're seeing everything it's like you want to see things and like actually get a grasp of like people enjoying it and yada 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 yeah in this movie you don't really get that it's like either like really close up so it could literally be not even the actors you think it is at this point right Um, and then like when it is like sort of panned out it's sort of shot in a way where sometimes it could not even be like real sex. It could be smoke and mirrors. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. The wide stuff. Like I, I, I was wondering that like for the wide stuff, did they just like not even bother actually having sex? 
and then like they only did it in the close-ups. Like they could have, they could have just been doing insert shots, basically. Right. The way yeah. this was shot. Yeah. Um, and I've seen like grindhouse films that you know aren't pornographic, but do include like some hardcore scenes. Sure. Yeah. Of yeah. a nature that did exactly that. That they had the actors, you know, acting out, and then they would. It literally just cut in scenes of hardcore pornography that right. was completely different people doing it. Right. And so that, that I kind of wonder if they did that. That is sort of how it felt. And like, but like that sort of thing doesn't fly in like current porn, right? Like, part of that yeah. is that we're in 2021, where like, I don't think it's like unfair to say that a lot of people's idea of porn nowadays is like more amateur stuff from like, you know, like, you know, like yeah. people shoot on well, their look, iPhones now. Look like, at stuff like OnlyFans. I mean, yeah. like people want to feel close to these performers. You know, they right. want to know, yeah. know who they are and they have their favorites that they like more than anyone else. And it's totally, it's just like a totally different world. And so this just like, it's it's remarkable how different it feels um, when you're watching this because it's like if this was meant to be titillating it fails and partially that just could be that it's 2021 now and i'm just used to a different kind of like porn when i want to watch it like i don't watch right. stuff that feels so depersonalized and decentralized from like who's actually involved like you know like i don't want to watch something and not know if the people involved are actually enjoying it like but this movie is like, I don't know. I don't know if these people that I'm watching actually are into this and are actually even doing it. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say how much of that is intentional and how much of it is just a function of it being a film from 1982. Right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was very, a very weird watch. I gotta say, um, very strange, a lot a lot of stuff going on but like i i admire it for being like very out there and having a unique premise and yeah trying to fit that into i do think uh, that no matter what we say about film. like how maybe some of its weirdness might just be like different eras of pornography i do think this movie was weird no matter what like even yes. for time i think this movie was weird and was trying something different so i think that's worth pointing out and uh, the film Night Dreams, which is also on the, um, you know, it's by most of the same people. It's also on the uh, letterbox list of pornographic films by genre directors. Um, is sort of a spiritual, um, like, I guess, pre- I think it came out first. So like, it, like it's, it's a, a sister film to this one of sorts. I, I don't really know much about the overall premise, but I do know that there is a scene where a woman has sex with a box of cream of wheat. So, well, what? <laughs> I think, We've I think all the been weird, there, you know? <laughs> to at least a certain extent, the, the, the weirdness is intentional. Like they're, you know, they're they're tr- as far as that stuff goes they're trying to make it strange yeah i, I do think some elements of it were totally 100 percent on purpose well i don't know if we'll ever discuss another film like this on the podcast i'm gonna, but... I'm gonna go on a limb and say probably not yeah um, at least not intentionally we might go into something and be very wrong about it but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> who knows who knows you never know these days um but overall, 
uh, I thought it was an interesting watch. I thought it was interesting that it, you know, it tried to do something different. And I do wish that we get more pornographic films like this. I wish that, you know, nobody tries to make like a, a feature length pornographic film with like an actual interesting, unusual plot. Like what was the last one like that? Pirates? Uh, what was like the gay one where, where the directors like quit? There were like four directors because like one died and some of them quit. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we should watch that instead. This um, sounds wild. Yeah. Um, um, there was one where, like, some gays, like, oh my god, I'd have to look it up. There was one where, like, gays really went through it. Um, <laughs> gay porn, where oh, I, I typed the words gay porn, I get a ton of history. Some. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Uh, uh, directors. It's like some directors quit. It was like very dramatic, and people died on set. And uh, people died on set. I'm trying to remember how it goes. How? Um, it's Were there like special a, effects. It's Wait. like a, it's like a, it's like a cowboy themed, and like they they like do like really intense, like oh my god. Did they did someone fall off a horse or something? That was very possible. Um. Okay, I don't care. Why fucking Marky Moore quit porn? Um, <laughs> um, okay. Oh my god! I, I this is gonna take me a minute. I'm gonna have to start because, like, you start searching things and there are so many things that come up. Um, you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I feel like there's this this whole other world. That's just like sort of faded away of the the narrative porn film, um, I, and part part of that is probably you know a function of the fact that people don't go see these films in theaters anymore. Um, right, people just but, watch it on their computers and they skip to the parts they want to see. So right, yeah. Um, there, I, I as part of my research for uh, this project, your research, uh, yes, I You're found very... out that there. <laughs> there are still some porn theaters in the U.S. There is at least one in L.A. and one in New York. Excuse me, um, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Asking for no one in particular. <laughs> there's, there is one in Queens. It's Hold in on. Queens. It's in Queens. Yeah. Wow, I can go there. There might actually be one in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, no. Oh, no. It was clo- it was closed in March 2020 because of the pandemic. And then the building was sold in the summer of 2021. The closure became permanent. No. No. You just lost another porn theater this year. Cinema uh. Kings Highway in Brooklyn, New York. But I there is another one in Queens. I'm trying to see. I guess like a porn theater has reasons it's not super hygienic in a pandemic you know uh yeah god um i can't think of anywhere i'd less like to go right now um right now or like a year ago i don't know but or like any time during the pandemic um depends new york right now is is not so bad so right but you know you you're getting you get you're getting pretty close to people in the, these sort of places. Well, 
Um, I go to movies. Am I getting any closer than I do during a normal movie? We're gonna have sex well, with people in the porn. It depends. It depends how close you want to get. I guess. So all right. True. All right. Here. Here it is. Here. I would imagine is. a um, gay porn theater. I'm gonna get pretty close. But. Yes. Yes. And this one does seem to mostly specialize in gay pornography. I would expect um, that most of them do. Yeah. <laughs> what What's interesting about this one is it, it says that they have three levels. Um, there's one for gay wow. porn, one for straight porn, and one for um, like foreign. Um, like miscellaneous foreign rarities. Oh uh, my god! It is called the Fair Theater in Elmhurst, New York. Wait, I know Elmhurst. Um, <laughs> like fair, like F I F A F A I R. Um, oh man, when the first picture on Yelp has like a creepy Halloween costume in it, the decor in here is very interesting. It's all like a carnival inside. This place actually looks like a lot of fun. Uh, well, I'm sure it is a lot of fun, Teddy. I'm sure it's a, uh-huh. I'm sure it's a, a blast, if you will. A blast, I might say. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, as far as I can tell, it's still operating. So who knows? Maybe the last one in New York. I do know that there's only one in L.A., and it's called like the Tiki Theater or something. <laughs> Somebody posted it to the Tiki subreddit, oh my God. and that was the, that was. Some of the Google some the Google reviews of the fucking fair theater are extremely good. Um, a great place to hang out with other like-minded people. Well, I'm sure uh-huh. it fucking is. Um, other other cinema goers, other cineasts. Uh, it, it is a good movie theater with free coffee and donuts. <laughs> I do remember reading that in the Yelp reviews. They're like they they keep talking about the free food. I'm like, I oh uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be eating the food. I, I got. I say. agree with Jose. If you haven't been to a true grindhouse theater, you have to check this place out. Well, I'm sure it yeah. is a, a grindhouse. Apparently, it used to be like more of a traditional grindhouse oh, theater at some point. I and then, also like, had a li- went to full Ho- adult films. Jose says, "I Jose says I also had unlimited helpings of pure satisfying fun." I left the theater tired, but fully satisfied. Oh my god. Ah! <laughs> Jose had a great time at the movies, and that's what we're all about here at Buzzed On Movies. Ah! You know, enjoying yourself at the theater. I'm gonna... The problem is that I found this, and now I'm gonna be like, well, I have to fucking go. I can't just, like, not go. I mean, like... <laughs> I know uh, me. I can't just be like, well, I'm gonna skip that for the rest of my life. And I'm be like, well, I leave for Baltimore in the morning, but let me tell you, first thing I do when I come back to New York, you know, see what they're showing in the fucking fair theater in Elmhurst, Queens, and I'm gonna fucking go and I'm gonna I'm gonna run into Jose himself. Yeah, maybe Ho- Jose seems like he'll probably be back at some Jose point. Jose and his satisfying times. Um, yeah. <sighs> Well, yeah, so we may be getting a trip report from the fair theater later in the podcast. We'll see. Um, But yeah, you know, I think it's important to remember in these times that 
you know, everybody's saying like that the cinema is going away, that nobody's going to go to movie theaters anymore. And I, and I say, you know, where else can you get an experience like that? That, you know, you can't do that from your fucking living room. So suck on that. Literally. You can't, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You sure can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, I think we're ready to wrap up what may be one of the strangest episodes of the show. Um, if you're still here, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, hope it didn't get too weird for you. Um, you can find us on all the major platforms until we get banned. Um, Spotify. <laughs> Ron, uh, banned like, t- like Tumblr was. From the- <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not on Tumblr, thank God. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, The Works. Um, you can send us an email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com or tweet at us at buzzedonmovies. Let don't, please don't tell us anything related to what we talked about in this episode. But please. <laughs> Wait, for two thirds of the episode, you can talk to us about <laughs> Yes, yes. Tell us what you thought of Dear Evan Hansen or Venom, or just tell us what you've been seeing in the theaters these days. And until next time, we'll see you at the Fair Theater in Elmhurst, New York. You will be found at the Elmhurst Theater. <laughs> in New York.